It's time for the Sports Pen on ESPN-UP and the ESPN-UP mobile app. Tanner Hoops with you. It's Thursday, and that means Jake Duran of CBS Marquette is with us as well. Jake, as always, appreciate you being here, man. How's everything going? It's been a while. Yeah, it's been it's been a little bit. Uh, things are going good, man. We got a lot a lot of stuff happening this weekend. Um, tomorrow, we got a lot of stuff happening. You know, we got NMU Michigan Tech football. I don't know if you if you've kind of looked back at the history of that matchup between those two teams the last force uh since 2014 i mean the games have been neck and neck until you know the final minute uh obviously michigan tech has a little run going uh, i don't think northern's beaten tech since 2009 um but those football games man it doesn't matter where the two 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 teams are um at or their record wise during the season or anything like that when those two teams meet something special happens i've been to the last four games and I mean, it's it's insane. Um, unfortunately, Northern has gotten the short end of the stick. So um, as a Northern alum, I'm obviously rooting for the Wildcats. So we're going to see in front of a home crowd. Um, disappointing season for Northern right now. Um, I mean, let's be honest here. Uh, haven't won a lot of games. Had that good win against Lawrence Tech. Don't know a lot about Lawrence Tech. But, I mean, it's a, w- a win's a win. 65-7 mm-hmm. still pretty impressive. Um, but, man, if they can they can welcome in the, uh, the Huskies and win, I think that would be a, a big win, obviously, for a team struggling this season. So... Um, that should be a good one. And then, obviously, uh, Northern Michigan hockey and things like that happening. Football playoffs happening into Saturday. So it's a very busy time, and I'm just loving every minute of it. We always love this time of the year, and it's hard to believe that the next time you and I do a show together, it'll already be November. A week from today, it'll be a new month. I mean, it, the time just seems to fly for whatever reason. Maybe that's because we have headlines jam-packed in 24 hours every single day, and there's no no shortage of stuff to talk to, especially – uh, right now, we've had plenty go on in the last uh, day or so that, you know, we get to discuss, like you said, looking ahead to Northern this weekend. I will say this, though, about the Northern Tech game. Uh, that is the UP Super Bowl. And no matter how each team season is gone, if they win that, they're going to feel good about the season. So hopefully that's the case for Northern. Like you said, great games, but Northern just hadn't been able to pull them out. How many years ago was it that a missed field goal was the... Was the deciding factor? That was like two or three. Right? I think it was. Yeah, I, I'm pretty sure it was two years ago. Maybe Something like three. that. I think it was up at Houghton. I was mm-hmm. there. Actually, was it two years in a row? Michigan Tech might have won on a, a field goal and the field goal block. Mm-hmm. I think something like been. something weird like that, mm-hmm. where you know, obviously the special teams game was coming up big. But I do remember being at Michigan Tech a few years ago. Um, let's just keep it at that. And Michigan Tech blocking the Northern Michigan field goal. And it was so funny because I remember being up there. Northern got on, you know, they got out of the gate really fast. They had, they built a, a nice lead, but throughout that whole game, second, third quarter, you could, you could feel something slowly momentum building on Tech's side, and you're like, is Northern, is this really going to happen to Northern? Then late in the game, Tech takes the lead, and then you're like, okay, Northern still has a shot. This is going to be a huge because that's back when Tech was like really good. I mean, they're kind of having a down year, but um, the previous years they've been they were really good teams and. And you're like, wait, is this definitely an upset? And I just remember the snap and it being blocked. And, you know, I cover both teams, so I got to kind of be, like, on both sides. But in that moment, you know, mm-hmm. as a someone who went to Northern, I'm rooting for the Wildcats. I'm not going to hide it. And, man, I was just so disappointed. It was such a good game by the Cats. And I just hope they can come out and, and play well in front of a home crowd. I hope people show up and really support uh, the team because – and obviously they're, they're a young team. 
Um, I think that's been the main thing. They've, they've dealt with injuries. They have young guys playing. Um, so this is all part of the process if you want to go back to the Philly um, with Kyle Nystrom. You know, he knows it's not going to happen overnight, and he's slowly just getting to the practice field and, and developing these guys. And so hopefully when the, these draft classes become seen juniors and seniors and then you got the younger guys coming in, they'll have a pretty solid team. I think um, it, it really just comes down to being able to stop stop people on defense. That's where they struggle. So um, they're going to have their hands full. They, uh, Tech has a couple good wide receivers and things like that. So it's, it's going to be a challenge. I want to go a little bit farther with this. You've been at the Superior Dome for this game, the UP Super Bowl, as a student and as a media member. Tell me what the Superior Dome is like. It's a obviously a very intimate, enclosed environment. But when you get all those youpers together, football game, two heated rivals less than two hours away from each other, what's that atmosphere like for those of us who've never experienced it? I mean... When that place is packed, it, it's it's pretty electric. It's a it's a pretty electric place. Now, the acoustics in the dome that themselves, it's it, it's weird. You know, they don't hold concerts in the dome because of of that because it's a wooden dome. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, it gets loud in there. It gets loud in there, especially for this game. I do remember, you know, um, being in the crowd and and when Northern makes a big play, it's it's pretty electric and and you know the team feeds off of it. So it's just like any other rivalry game, man. Um, you know, you got to get out there and you got to support the team, and and that's what home field is all about. Um, and you know the, the dome it's it's an enclosed field so it's neutral you know tech's gonna have the same you know we're not gonna de- be dealing with rain or anything so that's i think that's what makes it so cool is, mm-hmm. is it's gonna be dry you know it's gonna be warm and um, it's gonna be a good time under the lights in there but yeah it, i expect a pretty pretty electric atmosphere we've got that coming up on saturday we've got northern with their first hockey home game uh, Bemidji state is going to be in town and northern's a little slow out of the gate this year i get the competition has been uh, above average, we should say. Split with Michigan State, who's a lower-tier Big Ten team, but they're still a Big Ten team. They still play some of the best uh, college hockey players in the country on a daily basis. And then St. Cloud, who was number four. They've jumped to number two. They're a team that's going to contend for it all this season when it's all said and done. So a little slow out of the gate, maybe understandably so. But I know that Grant and the coaching staff isn't happy with where they are because they feel they can be a team that can contend with teams like that. And to do so, to get where they want to be and be an NCAA tournament team like it's expected of them this season, they have to contend with teams like that. And they just haven't early on. Maybe we can chalk that up to early season struggles, what have you. This team still has another gear, and they haven't played up to the level of talent they have on the roster yet. I'm excited for when they do, hopefully to get it started with conference play this weekend against Bemidji. Right, and even at the press conferences, Grant said, you know, he just doesn't feel like the players are playing up to where they, they can. And that's what's so bothersome. He said out of the four games they played, he feels they played one game. Other than that, it's been, you know, I don't know if it's been effort or just me- mental um, mentality, I guess, or, or something like that. But, um, you know, they, like you said, it's it's been a slow start for the, uh, a Northern team who, you know, should have, in my eyes, won the WCHA championship last year at home. And obviously, Tech, Michigan Tech came in here and, and again, got bragging rights. Um, and I don't think Northern Michigan played that well in that game is either. And, um, you know, but it's, it's a mentality thing. And I, I just think the team is still kind of questioning who they are. Um, obviously, you, you know, they lost a lot of talent. They still have a lot of talent. But um, I think they still got to find that Robbie Payne who was that, that definite leader for this team last year who who went out there every every week and was able to to put on a show basically he was a just a talented goal scorer and and you know obviously gave that team energy i, I just think they're they're still trying to find 
where they are as a team, um, you know, and, and I think it's new for this team. Now they're the, you know, they're the hunted. They're not the hunters. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, they're a team where people say, oh, Northern, you know, they were really good last year. We got to really buckle down and, and play these guys tough or so they're going to, you know, they're going to beat us. And, you know, I just think it's just a different mentality the team has to, has to have. But like you said, you know, the, the expectations for Northern, and, and I love that Grant puts these expectations, is they want to make it to the NCAA tournament. They want to be a tournament team. They want to play with the St. Clouds. They, they feel like they should be able to play with, with those type of teams. And, and um, in, t- in order to do that, you got to stack solid years together. And, and I just think it's just a learning process. I do think, that obviously, against Bemidji, I, I do, I, I'm saying sweep at home. I mean, mm. that's just me. Um, and maybe this is the where they kind of get comfortable on their home ice and figure some things out and, and you know, is playing some competition that maybe, you know, they're just better than, I think. So, um, like you said, I mean, St. Cloud is, is, you know, they lost 5 nothing on Saturday um, to a really good team. So, um, I think this is, a, is a, just a, a series that they're going to have to use to gain confidence and just figure out who they are. You look at their schedule, and obviously the WCHA, uh, there will be one, maybe two teams that get out of there that are going to go to the NCAA tournament. You'll have the automatic qualifier course, and then maybe an at-large. Northern, should they not be able to win the tournament this year? This is all speculation. If they were trying to make it as an at-large, then you can look at their strength of the schedule in the non-conference, and you can make a really good case that as long as Northern's a bubble team, their strength of schedule could be enough to get them in because... They uh, had St. Cloud on the schedule, who's now up to number two, as mentioned. A month from now, they play Notre Dame, who's number one. I mean, they're scheduling some quality opponents here. Uh, and it's going to be interesting to see how they stack up against them once they get into midseason form. But like you said, they're looking for a leader right now because how do you replace a guy like Robbie Payne? You know, you've got talent to do so. You've got uh, one of the best defensemen in the conference with Baloo. I believe they have the best goalie in the conference with Tolvanen. And, and then you've got scores, uh, guys who can assist with guys like uh, Denver, uh, Loggins, Rockwood, what have you. I'm still waiting for somebody to emerge as that vocal leader, the field general for those guys. In my mind, I think Denver's got to be the guy that has to do that. And I don't know if uh, he's fully embraced that role yet. And if so, it's only a matter of time because he is a leader. He's just got to believe in himself that he's able to do it. Yeah, Denver, the Uper. Yeah. Uh, the Uper on the team. Yeah, he's a, he's, a, he's a guy that, you know, like you said, they have a lot of guys that are similar. Um, I think Robbie Payne just last year was on, a, a talent-wise, on a, just another level than a lot of those guys. Mm-hmm. Um, but, yeah, you know, they need to find, like, like, they have all the pieces. They just need to find the guy that's going to be like, okay, this is my team. You know, this is, I can be this for this team and kind of guide them. Um, you know, uh, ask more out of these guys, you know, when things get tough, you know, dig deeper type of stuff. Um, you know, when you're not playing well, you know, do extra to, to get yourself back mentally and things like that. Um, because that's what they need. That's exactly what Grant said. He said the, the concerning thing, you know, that about it, the, the losses, you know, we played good opponents, but he feels like the, they're not playing as good as they can. You know, Grant has probably seen these guys when they're on in practice, and he wants to see that on, on the ice. And the more more times you can be consistent doing that in a real game, obviously the better chance you have to win. But it's that game atmosphere when it's a real. they got to find guys that are play that are going to be gamers, and, and that's what they're looking for right now. Well, obviously big news coming out of Northern this week, not only for men's hockey, potentially women's hockey. There's going to be a press conference coming up tomorrow, and there's uh, representatives from the NHL. Uh, the conference women's commissioner is going to be in town and it's looking like a real possibility that Northern is going to add women's hockey as a sport here in the next uh, 
in the near future, next couple of years or so, you see around the country that schools are cutting programs uh, for things like Title IX or budgets or what have you. And it's nice to see the trend being bucked, that Northern is uh, going against the grain and adding sports is what it appears. Not only women's hockey, it looks like on the horizon, maybe stuff like uh, you know, uh, skiing, uh, men's and women's rifle, I saw was on the list of potential sports would be kind of neat. Uh, but women's hockey, I know would be a big one around here. It's something that of course, isn't, uh, popular among most of the country. No, there's only a handful of colleges that field a women's hockey team. It'd just be really cool to see that come here to Northern. Right. I mean, the culture up here, hockey is so big. Mm -hmm. Um, it just makes sense. And, you know, even growing up, you know, I'm from the UP, and um, you know, a lot of a lot of girls, a lot of women do like to play the sport, and they're good at it. Um, so it is kind of cool to see sp things like that, uh, you know. And it, it, I mean, I think it's just it was a matter of time, and you know, I was always wondering why there wasn't a women's hockey program up here. I mean, hockey's huge up here, mm -hmm. so it would be nice to see a, a hockey team, and and you know, I think they had like a club team. Mm -hmm. Did they have a club team? Mm -hmm. I'm pretty sure I talked to the club team. So, I mean, there's interest. There's interest up here. So, um, I think that's pretty cool. I think it's really cool. And, and just adding the sports, like you said, the rifle and things like that, that's all stuff that, you know, people do up here. You know what I'm saying? Skiing, huge. I went to Marquette Senior High School. We were state championships in skiing all four years mm -hmm. in the state. You know, and that those are huge sports up here. Um, so, it's kind of cool that, you know, they're building an avenue that maybe, um, you know, students, high schoolers can – take the step and, and play on another level. I think that's pretty cool. Jake Duran of CBS Marquette, our guest for today. We'll take a timeout more after this on the Sports Pen on ESPN-UP and the ESPN-UP app. Check out the UP's live and local sports talk show, The Sports Pen, weekday afternoons at 4 on ESPN-UP and on the ESPN-UP app. Welcome back to the Sports Pen on ESPN-UP and the ESPN-UP app. Don't forget Pigskin Payday's back. Pick the winner of each week's game to win. Play all season long for the $100,000 grand prize. Only the Jibboy Casino in Barriga and Marquette. Tanner Hoops with you, joined by Jake Duran of CBS Marquette. Now we talked plenty on Northern here in the first segment of the show. As Americans, Jake, we're obligated to love baseball and to love championships. And it just so happens that we are in the midst of the World Series. Game two last night, Boston wins it 4-2 to over the Dodgers. They take a 2-0 series lead. Are you surprised by the way this series is going at all? Because I'm not. I, I said uh, prior to the first pitch of game one that I said Boston in five. I think they're going to do it without coming back to Fenway as they transition and get ready for game three in Los Angeles tomorrow. But does this surprise you, the way the series has gone so far? Not not necessarily. Obviously, Boston taking out Houston, that was a huge, you know, this team. That has, was a surprise. You yeah. know, that was a surprise, but there's a reason why that happened. Mm -hmm. I mean, this team um, has everything you need. They have the manager. They have the storylines. They have the pitching. They have the hitting. Um, and and it just seems like a team that's destined to win. I don't want to say it's over just yet because obviously going back to L.A., the Dodgers played completely different, mm -hmm. um, you know, at home, obviously. So they're, they're very well, but they're going to have to win a game on the road. I mean, that's just what it comes down to. Can they do that? Can they go to Fenway and win? Mm -hmm. I don't really know. I mean, the Red Sox have looked like the dominant team. And um, as someone who's a just – I'm one of those guys who just watch playoff baseball. You know, I don't, I don't watch – Throughout the season, I don't really have a team. Somebody needs to find me a team. Who should mm -hmm. I root for? I don't know. Twins. Twins? Should I root for the Twins? Yeah, we'll, we'll join us. Yeah. <laughs> but I don't. I don't have an emotionally attached 
attachment to a team. Mm-hmm. I think that's probably why I don't watch as much baseball as I mm-hmm. do. But it doesn't surprise me. It doesn't surprise me. It just seems like the Red Sox. It's it's just their year. They just seem to have everything going, and um, you know, it's it's crazy watching the, the Brewers, who I wanted to win, who I kind of was rooting for. Mm-hmm. I guess that might be my team. Um, and how they play the Dodgers, and then how the Red Sox are handling the Dodgers. It kind of just shows you the levels at where the teams are at. When the postseason started, I picked Houston to repeat because I believe they were the most complete team. They had the best pitching staff. Their offense, top to bottom, one through nine in that lineup, I believed was the best in baseball. Boston beats them in five. They lose game one, and then they win four straight. And Boston right now is putting everything together. They're starting pitching. It was excellent the regular season. That doesn't always translate to postseason baseball, and now it is. David Price has won back-to-back postseason games. He's starting to become a postseason pitcher like he's always had the potential to be. Boston's lineup, maybe not necessarily known for the power of the offense uh, that they've been putting on through this postseason, they are peaking at the right time. They're getting contributions up and down the lineup. Even a guy like Eduardo Nunez, not an everyday player, he had the home run to break it open in the Uh, over the green monster in game one. So right now, Boston's getting everything to work for them, whether it's starting pitching, whether it's defense, base running, or the offense. Everything is going right for Boston right now. And the Dodgers just don't seem to have an answer. I mean, Clayton Kershaw, we talked about uh, guys who do well in the regular season and just struggle in the postseason. For whatever reason, that's Kershaw. That's Luis Severino. That's anybody who pitches for the Cleveland Indians. I don't know why it is, but it just seems to be that case for some guys. They just can't win on the big stage. And for whatever reason, I just don't see the Dodgers giving us any reason to buck that trend. I don't see any reason why the series should have to go back to Fenway. Right, yeah. And, you know, obviously this next game here, game three, is going to be huge. Um, you know, if Boston can kind of just will their way and, and kind of break the will of the Dodgers, maybe maybe they might. But it, it, this, what's happening with the Red Sox is what it's every sport. You know, when everything just for some reason starts clicking, um, you know, the managers are doing what they're supposed to, making good. You know, managing the game well. You got your hitters out there doing it. Um, your defense playing well. That's just what it seems to be for the for the Red Sox and. Um, you know, David Price went out there and showed, like you said, showed like what he could really be. And when you got guys playing at their highest potential at the right time, I mean, it's going to be tough. The bullpen played well. You know, you got Betts out there doing his thing. So um, I don't know. Yeah, I think it's just it's really good. It's it's just a really good uh, thing for Boston. And um, the Red Sox might win another World Series. I, what? How many years ago was it when they were on that streak where they didn't win a championship? They broke the curse in 2004. And current Dodgers manager Dave Roberts, of course, the big stolen base in that World Series, a huge part of why they won it. He played half a season with Boston, but he was crucial as far as winning them a championship. And now he's managing against them in the World Series 14 years later. So since breaking the curse, they won it again in 2013, and now they're on the verge of doing it again five years later. So you look at these two teams on paper, and they should be comparable For whatever reason, Boston has everything going for them right now. Let's talk about the managers. Alex Cora in his first year, they've won now, what, 116, 17 games, 108 in the regular season, whatever they've won now in the postseason. I think it's it's nine, so 117. Uh, He's getting the best out of everybody up and down the lineup. He's relating to the young guys. Jackie Bradley Jr., 
Uh, where did his offense come from here in the last month or so? He's been on fire. You know what you're getting out of Mookie Betts, but Cora seemed to take him to another level. Uh, Brock Holt, guys like that. Ian Kinsler, uh, guys who are just built to be good in the postseason. Eduardo Nunez, like we talked about a couple of minutes ago. And then Rafael Devers. It was a big day as far as birthdays in the Boston sports area yesterday. Jalen Brown turned 22. And so did Rafael Devers. Jalen Brown, by the way, that's my favorite NBA player. He's so good. Isn't he great? I, I mean, love that he's on the Celtics. When I, yeah, when I was, uh, I went and watched Milwaukee. I think it was game four in Milwaukee, Boston. And I think he had like 30-something. Mm-hmm. Jason, getting off subject, Boston's really good. I really like Boston. I was upset that they drafted him over Buddy Heald back in 2016. I'm not anymore. And now well, that I mean, was a great pick. It, yeah, I mean, I think it took him a little while to develop a little bit. But he, he those two wings for Boston, like, they're amazing. You know, Boston definitely hit on all that, that draft too. That I think didn't Boston trade out and still was able to get Tatum and like Philly got Fultz or something. That might have been that year. We'll have to double check. That. I think so. I can't remember. I, I'm pretty sure. I'm pretty sure Boston traded back one and they still got Tatum. Mm-hmm. So I mean, just smart, smart management, smart management. Philly can have Markel Fultz. Yeah, I process mean, that. It, it's bad. I don't think he's really that good. I mean, um, Lonzo too. I don't. Mm-hmm. I, I'm getting these drafts mixed up. I know the, the few years, but. Yeah, I like what Boston's doing right now. Anyways. Basically, Danny Age is a genius. Um, yeah, I, I think so. I really do. I, I would really be surprised is. that, you know, there's a lot of big draft class coming in next year. I don't know if you've seen the whole Duke team. It's mm-hmm. really good. So who's going to get Zion Williamson will be a big, big storyline. Okay. Let's go, Detroit. I like that. Let's let's make, make some things happen. If you can't get Zion, get R.J. Barrett. Just get somebody. Mm-hmm. They need somebody. I really want to pick your brain on the NBA, but I want to finish the thought yeah. on Rafael yeah. Devers. Uh, turned 22 yesterday. That's how old I am, and I think about uh, everything that's happened here in the last year. I've moved to three different states, uh, worked in like four different states here in the last year, and I'm trying to think, wow, you know, this guy's younger than I am, performing in the World Series. What am I doing at 22? I start to get that way as I Man. see younger athletes out there. I mean, can you imagine doing that at 22? I no. just can't can't imagine that. Th- and he's been doing it since he was 20. He's been playing on a big level for Boston. It's just amazing how Alex Cora gets the most out of these young kids and develops them to superstar caliber at such a young age. Yeah. Well, first of all, you're still really young. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm at the age where in sports, I'm considered really old. Like I'm, <laughs> I'm about to retire pretty much. So um, it is kind of crazy to see these younger, you know, uh, athletes. And it just it just gets worse as you get older. Because I always look at my age like, okay, if I was in a professional sport, I would still be in my prime. You know, but now I'm like turning into LeBron almost. No, I'm just kidding. He's um, still got it, though. He's still got it, though. That, But he's a freak. I'm not. Um, so, but yeah, I mean, I did see a, a, a little and read up on on how he manages uh, his players. And it is really cool how personable he is um, and how the Red Sox players do, you know, really like how how he manages. And, you know, he gives them – he gave them days off when they when they needed it, you know. He doesn't seem like a really forceful person. But, you know, he has a lot of players that react well to that type of teaching and that type of, of authority. So I just think it's, it's just like a very – like I said, just everything coming together for this Red Sox team. Everything's clicking. The relationships are really close as far as I can tell there. And, you know, people trust each other in that organization, and that's really what's winning. And then obviously you just got the talent is there. We're starting to see that good hitting is better than good pitching. And for a long time, maybe up until this season, that hadn't been the case. It had been the opposite. 
And now we're starting to see how good offense can be and how well that can win you a championship. Though the pitching matchup tomorrow, we expect Porcello against Bueller. That's going to be a lot of fun. And I'm just excited to see how this these uh, next three games, if we get that far, end up playing out. But away from the World Series, more baseball news. With the coaching carousel continuing around, few teams are starting to fill the void. Uh, Cincinnati got David Bell as their new manager. Brad Osmus, who spent some time up here in Detroit, he's now going to uh, Los Angeles to take over the Angels. And then the Twins finally made their move after moving on from Paul Molitor. Uh, they had their chance to make the splash before the World Series started earlier this week. Instead, they decide not to. They let the Angels and Brad Osmus kind of have that uh, that limelight, what have you. They brought in Rocco Baldelli for a second interview. And last night, I was in bed around probably about midnight. I lay on my phone for like an hour before I go to sleep, and it's probably close to 1.30, and I hear my phone ding. I get, look over, see the notification. Rocco Baldelli is going to be introduced as Twins manager. I'm like cool you know yeah i don't think they should have moved on from paul Molder. i like paul Molder a lot and i don't think he was the problem but out of the available candidates i like this choice for minnesota a lot baldelli was a great player obviously his health cut his career short i think he manages a similar style to paul Molder. he played a similar style to him and unlike Molitor, he's actually got coaching experience. Really unlike anybody the Twins have tried to bring in recently, he's got experience coaching. So I'm excited for this move. He's 37 years old. He's the youngest coach in professional baseball. But Rocco Baldelli, I'm excited to see how he pans out in Minnesota. I think this was a good hire. I mean, I don't know a lot. You basically just gave me all the info that I know about the guy. But from what you're seeing, it seems like um, it could be similar to what you're seeing in Boston. You mm-hmm. know, a younger guy that can relate to its players that, you know, is is, is going to be able to be that personable person. And, you know, these young kids, man, you got to be nice to them. Mm-hmm. You got to be nice to them. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I mean, like you said, I, I, the future is bright there. And, I mean, we're going to have to just see how we can do. He's a younger guy, so um, we're going to see. That front office, I get the feeling from them that they have never been keen on Paul Mulder. They came in last season, Derek Valvey, Dad Levine. They couldn't fire Mulder last year because he won manager of the year and he had to wait for the first opportunity he'd get. So they finish, what, six below 500 this year. They end the year in a six game winning streak, second in the division. So this is their opportunity that they take to get rid of Mulder, get the guy they want, because keep in mind they inherited Mulder. And on some level, I don't like him for it. You know, I like Molitor. To me, Falvey and Levine haven't been uh, in the organization long enough. I still see them as Texas guys or Cleveland guys. Not that I want to, but that's just how it is. On some level, though, I don't blame them for it because like what Gruden's doing over in Oakland, a lot of people don't like him for that. He's getting the system and the people in place that they want to win, that are going to work well with that system. And that's their job. You know, that's Valvey and Levine's job. So I get that as much as I like Molitor and I'm a fan of him. I don't like that he was fired, but I understand why they did it. So we're seeing changes in Minnesota. We can only hope it pays off. I'm excited for the Baldelli era. I'm more excited, I think, right now to see who he keeps on his coaching staff and everything and uh, if Joe Maurer's coming back or what the roster's going to look like next year. But a lot to be excited, I think, about over in Twins territory. I think they made a great hire with this pick, and I'm just excited for baseball to come back and see how it pans out. Right. I mean, you're looking ahead already to next year. Um, yeah, you know, when you're a coach, when you're a new, uh, you know, a new GM or a, 
you know, a new manager. You know, you want to have your guys, and you want to take, obviously, when you're in a new situation, your best swing with, with guys you want to either su- succeed or, or fail with. So, um, like you, you, you know, you referenced John Gruden, who's getting a lot of, a lot of slack. I still think the Khalil Mack trade was terrible. Bringing him to Chicago was absolutely terrible. Um, but, you know, I, he seems to have things. He, he signed a 10-year deal for a reason, mm-hmm. everybody. He signed a 10-year deal. I mean, you know, he, he's building what he wants to build. He wants to win with certain players. And um, if you don't like it, you're not going to be there. So uh, I just think he's, he's ready to, to just have a fresh start in Las Vegas, get some young guys, and then push, you know, push for the, the, the title there. But, yeah, I mean, it's going to be interesting to see um, the Twins and hopefully maybe the Tigers next year. I don't know. Well, to touch on Gruden, by the way, you mentioned the Tigers. Ron Gardenhart's birthday yesterday. Happy birthday Happy to birthday. him. Always a big fan of him. Uh, lots of birthdays yesterday. Um, to touch on uh, 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 John Gruden and the Raiders, he's not dismantling the Raiders just to dismantle them. I mean, he's a smart guy, and he's doing all of this for a reason. They're trying to peak, you would think, by the time they go to Vegas with all these first-round draft picks. Gruden is a smart guy, and there's a method to the madness, but you're right. He'd never do this if he was on a two- or three-year deal. He knows he's locked in for 10 years, or else it's going to be payday in a big way for him. So he's taking full advantage of it. I don't blame him a bit for it, and I will if he doesn't win in just a couple of years. But right now, he's doing it right as far as getting the guys he wants to make his team successful. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and um, if you're going to do it, you got to go all in, mm-hmm. and I wouldn't be surprised to see Derek Carr leave there. I, I mean, wouldn't either. You know, Derek Carr, he's a solid quarterback, and you know he had a couple. He had like an MVP season a year or two ago, I think, before breaking his leg. Mm-hmm. Um, but I don't trust him, you know. And uh, Amari Cooper, he's a pretty good receiver, but he wasn't like great and mm-hmm. consistent. Um, the Khalil Mack thing was insane, but you know he got a good haul for it. Mm-hmm. You know he let go arguably one of the best defensive players ever. Um, but yeah, I mean five, what five first round draft picks? Five in the next two years. In the next two years. So those are obviously going to be be really good players. Um, they're going to have to find a quarterback if that's what they're going to want to do and and rebuild that defense. But like you said, I think he has a master plan in place, and I think uh, he's slowly just implementing what he wants to do. And I think um, in a few years, with all those draft picks, I don't see why the the Raiders wouldn't be really good again. So. Speaking of finding a quarterback, that's a great segue into our next segment. We'll have uh, something coming up related to that after this in the Sports Pen on ESPN-UP and the ESPN-UP app. Check out the UP's live and local sports talk show, The Sports Pen, weekday afternoons at 4 on ESPN-UP and on the ESPN-UP app. Welcome back to the Sports Pen on ESPN-UP, the ESPN-UP app. Don't forget, Pigskin Payday's back. Pick the winner of each week's game to win. Play all season long for the $100,000 grand prize only to Ghibli Casino in Barriga and Marquette. Tanner Hoops joined by Jake Duran of CBS Marquette. Glad that you're with us. We were talking about finding a quarterback before we went to break. Now uh, I want to do something, just kind of a test. Uh, let's not call it a test. Let's call it an exercise, a game, if you will. Okay. Um, I want you to be just totally play gm here for a second um like fantasy football uh play fantasy football right oh yeah who's your quarterback um so i'm in two leagues so right now i have aaron Rodgers, who i reached in the second round for um in one of my leagues it was Mm -hmm. a reach but i've never had him so i wanted to have him Mm -hmm. then i got jared goff Mm. um i had jimmy garoppolo and jared goff Mm -hmm. obviously garoppolo went down i picked him up in the later rounds 
Um, so right now it's Jared Goff and Aaron Rodgers. Okay, so you've got those two around your fantasy teams. Let's say, let's talk complete fantasy football right now. You're the GM of a team that's, what, 5-2, and 4-3 and three this year. You're a good team, but right now you're not taking the league by storm like Kansas City, L.A., New England, not any of those teams. But you're maybe one good piece away from putting your team over the top, and maybe that piece is a quarterback. Now, if I were to ask you if there's anybody in the league that you would take over Patrick Mahomes to put your team over the top with, you know, you're sitting five and two, four and three, something like that. Uh, you just need that quarterback piece to become a Super Bowl contender. If I were to ask you if there's anybody you would take over Patrick Mahomes right now, would you say that there is? And if so, who? And I don't want you to answer yet because the second part to that is, what if he would only sign for a five-year deal? So whichever guy you get, he's locked in for five years and you don't know what your team's going to look like the years to come. Does that change your answer at all? I like, I mean, I really do like Pat Mahomes. Mm -hmm. I think he's a really good quarterback, but I do think um, he is a system quarterback mm -hmm. what they have going there. I think he fits perfectly with all those weapons he has and what they're trying to do on offense, I think it's it's a really good fit. Um, do I see Pat Mahomes able to jump from team to team and, and make the team better? I don't know. I don't know right now. It's mm. just way too early. It's mm -hmm. way too early. Maybe it's just a system. You know, the same thing with Jared Goff. Do I think Jared Goff is a great quarterback, or, or do I think Sean McVay and his system is making him uh, better? Mm. And That's I where think, I was hoping you would go. And I do think Jared Goff is another one of those quarterbacks where he's benefiting from the system he's in. Mm -hmm. um, Carson Wentz, I think, is a really good quarterback. He's a young guy. Um, but, I, I mean, if I had to go pick any quarterback, and I'm not just saying this because I'm a fan of this team, but mm -hmm. um, five years, I think Aaron Rodgers will still be at yep. the top of his game. I think he's the one quarterback. He can go on any team, and if he has a little bit of weapons, he rises. He makes that team so much better. He's done it in Green Bay for his whole career. Um, and I would be confident that he could come onto my team, no matter who's out on the field, and ra raise them another level. And right now, I just think Pat Mahomes is too young. I, I really think he, he just had. So it would have to be like an older quarterback. I know you said five-year deal. Mm -hmm. Would I bring Tom Brady in? Probably not. I don't no. think Tom Brady's going to last five more years. But mm -hmm. I think Aaron Rodgers still has solid five years left in in, in the tank. So um, I would say Aaron Rodgers. I mean, he's in my eyes the best quarterback in the league. Um, when, when when I pose that question to myself. Obviously, the ones that come to mind, at least when you look at the first question, if you could bring in any quarterback right now, then Rodgers and Brady jumped to everybody's uh, mind down. right away. And to a lesser extent, I think Drew Brees does there. For some people, he flies under the radar for how successful he is. But when you add in the five-year stint that they've got to be there an extra five years, that takes Tom Brady out of the equation. And that probably takes Drew Brees out of the equation. But I'm with you. I don't think it takes Aaron Rodgers out of the equation. If he stays healthy is the biggest concern for me, then I think you take Aaron Rodgers and build the team around him. When you look at Kansas City, I think you're right. We haven't seen enough of Pat Mahomes yet. He works well in high-octane offensive systems. He's done that for Andy Reid. He did that for Cliff Kingsbury at Texas Tech. I, I think the potential's there, but we just he's unproven right now. So would you take a guy like Carson Wentz over Pat Mahomes if you want to build a team around for the long term right now? That that's, that's tough. That's tough. Mm -hmm. That's tough. Um, I probably would take Mahomes okay. over Carson Wentz. Carson Wentz has been injured. Obviously, mm -hmm. you saw um, they were able to win that with uh, blanking on his name. Their backup quarterback. So they had a really good team. Nick around. Foles. Nick Foles. 
So, I mean, it's tough. It's tough. I think you can put any really a lot of quarterbacks in that Kansas City system, mm-hmm. you know, and they'll th- just flourish just because they have every single weapon you need. Um, for the longest time, Kansas City was notorious for not having any wide receivers mm-hmm. and things like that. But the way they move their offense, they have Tyreek Hill, who's just kind of like a wildcat. Same thing with Kareem Hunt. He can catch. He can, he can run. He's really fast. Um, and then they added Sammy Watkins. And then obviously Travis Kelsey, one of the best tight ends in the league. So um, he has all the weapons. If, if Kelsey's not open, which he usually is, then you could, you know, you got Tyreek Hill up the middle or you got Kareem Hunt coming out of the back or just hand it to Hunt and he does the rest. So. I do think Pat Mahomes is the better of the younger group, I guess you could say. So let's let's go a little further with this. If you look into a system, um, let's say, let's mark it down to a three-year deal, and your choices were Pat Mahomes, Mitch Trubisky, we'll throw him in there, or Matt Ryan, and you were in a passing-style offense, but you had to have him for the next three years. Do you, do you think you can get three more quality years out of Matt Ryan? I don't, I, Matt Ryan's okay. Mm-hmm. Um, I wouldn't choose Matt Ryan. No, no. I do like Trubisky. I really do like Trubisky. I mm-hmm. think he's, you know, he's younger, a guy who can definitely toss the ball around, and you know, he, he's doing well in Chicago. But I would have to go with Pat Mahomes. I mean, it's plain mm-hmm. and simple. Obviously, they're mm-hmm. the best team in the one of the best teams in the NFL, second best team. But um, yeah, I would have to go Pat Mahomes in that situation too. I mean, he he's a gunslinger. You know, he's the Brett Favre, quote unquote. I like that type of quarterback. So we've got uh, Jake Duran in studio with us from CBS Marquette speculating over what uh, the quarterback, you know, the, what it could look like over the next few years, what the quarterback landscape in the NFL could be. Uh, Eli Manning, so much talk has been around him lately. I want to throw some numbers at you. Um, actually, I want you to throw some numbers at me. Let's let's turn this around. Did you watch the Monday night game against Atlanta? I was in and out watching the game. Okay. I had it on, but I, I didn't watch it totally through. Well, Eli Manning, uh, obviously it was a losing effort, but the two-minute offense seemed to work, scoring, what, 13 points in the last four minutes. What would you guess Eli Manning uh, had for a completion rating for that game? Do you have any, any kind of a guess? I, I feel like he – I mean, I don't feel like it was bad. Mm-hmm. Um, probably like 75%. 71, pretty good. How about total yards that he threw for? Like 300? 399. Oh, wow. And his passer rating, what would you guess that would be? I know I'm putting you on the spot, but you're right there. You're right there. It's 113.8. So, I mean, I, you did well for being on the spot. Um, Eli Manning's numbers, I think, better than a lot of people would look at. Now, I know that uh, there's been a lot of talk on him and a lot of uh, he's come under fire, we should say. I'm still an Eli Manning defender. And I think if he's putting up numbers like that while having to sleep with one eye open, basically, he is watching the rush while trying to look downfield because he has no time to throw the football. If he's putting up those kind of numbers, isn't it realistic to think that if they gave him protection or a halfway decent offensive line, he could still be an effective NFL quarterback? See, I'm completely opposite. I, I need Eli out of there. You think so? I do. I think they need to get a quarterback. I think they're going to get Herbert from – from Oregon, mm. um, who's just – he's going to be a stud. Mm-hmm. Um, you could, I mean, if that's the direction you want to – he's he's just at the tail end of his career. It's probably going to take a couple years to get that old line where it needs to mm-hmm. be. Um, it won't happen while he's there. Right. You know, you're, you're going to have Odell demanding trades here pretty soon. Mm-hmm. I can already see it. You don't want to waste, you know, Saquon, um, you know, any – 
of his years. I th- I just think it's time that they just move on. That's me. But going back to your question, if they ha- if he could somehow just get some sort of protection, I mean, I think Eli still has something in the tank. I just think you know he can't. He's so slow. He can't run. Mm-hmm. He's one dimensional. Well, I mean, that's the thing. If people want to criticize Eli Manning, do it because he's slow. Do it because he can't escape pressure. Because even the best offensive line, Cowboys 2016 offensive line, they would still allow a sack every once in a while. If you're going to criticize Eli for anything, do it for that. And if there needs to be a quarterback change in New York, make it for that reason. But, you know, he's, he's trying to sleep with one eye open and keep an eye on the pass rush while looking downfield. I still believe he's got the arm to... Uh, be able to make accurate throws. Obviously, he hasn't played uh, well this season. You know, it's hard to be in that kind of a situation where you're forced to be perfect when you're on the downhill slide. Is this his last year? I think it should be because I don't see him putting on another uniform, but he's not going to come back to the Giants and be effective because, like you said, it's going to take a long time to rebuild that line. So this seems like a situation with Tom Coughlin where – the team's not going to have any plans for him going forward. They're going to let him step out, finish this season as the starter. They're not, it doesn't matter what they do the rest of this season. They're not going to the playoffs anyway. So let him finish out this year as a starter, go down with dignity, uh, exit out with grace, what have you, and then get ducked into the Hall of Fame. Hopefully the fans come around and uh, realize you know, what he's done for the franchise later on. That's kind of what I'm hoping happens out of this. I just think it's unfortunate how the fan base has turned against him after everything he's done. I mean, it, it is unfortunate. Um, sometimes I feel like the New York fan, fan base forgets just what he did mm-hmm. for the Giants. You know, winning those Super Bowls, defeating the almighty Tom Brady in the Patriots. Um, but it comes down to a point where someone has to be the scapegoat, and it's easy to point your finger at Eli because he's the one dropping back, not getting the ball out, and getting sacked, even though it's the offensive line's fault. <laughs> the thing with the Giants is they've known that their offensive line has been terrible exactly what have they done they for don't it? do yeah. anything you know they've tried i mean okay they, they got flowers in the draft and picked and, him one spot ahead of todd Gurley. Uh, doesn't that kill you oh man <laughs> i'm speechless on that mm-hmm. um that's bad Ooh. uh but you know they just haven't hit mm-hmm. you know the, the most important positions that they need they've, they've swung and missed um so i'm on i'm under the impression you know get the quarterback next season mm-hmm. and what you don't want to do, though, without an offensive line, you don't want to get a young guy come in and have him just get destroyed and beat up and have his like his mentality you know, mm-hmm. destroyed. But at the same time, you need to just get a guy in there that's that's going to be able to to do something. And I say you get the quarterback first, all linemen. All linemen. All linemen. All linemen. Draft 10 linemen. You know, and they, they shelled out a lot to get Nate Solder on the left tackle, and he just hasn't looked good this year. They thought Will Hernandez was going to be something special, and maybe he will be. He's still young. He's put in a tough situation. Brett Jones, a center that would have played pretty well for them. They end up trading him to Minnesota while Pat Elfline was still getting healthy. Uh, His backup ended up being the starter, uh, Jalapio. He was a firefighter less than a year ago. You know, he wasn't even in the NFL, and now he's hurt. Uh, Weston Richburg not coming back anytime soon. So that line needs to be upgraded in the worst way, no matter who's at quarterback for New York. Otherwise, I just don't see things getting better, uh, whether they draft Herbert from Oregon, no matter who they get. It just doesn't look like it's going to get any better until the offensive line is fixed first and foremost. So Herbert would be a great pickup, no doubt. But I wonder how much better he would be. I wonder how much better the Giants would be right now 
if they had gone with Sam Darnold? Do you, would they have won more than one game? I mean, I think I think they'd have probably won more than one game. You think so? I think Darnold. Uh, but because you would have, you wouldn't have got Barkley then. So how many games would you have not won without Barkley? Is the thing. That's the trade-off. That's if you're trade-off. running, if you're running with like Wayne Gallman in the backfield, All right, that's pretty bad too. Um, I mean, I I would take my chance with Darnold and, and OBJ, mm-hmm. I guess, and that and Ingram and and Shepard, um, mm-hmm. and just have someone who can run the ball a little bit. Obviously, they they hit on Barkley; he's going to be great. But mm-hmm. can you imagine Barkley running behind a good offensive line? Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like that is the main root of their issues. Um, you could get Barkley better. You can get your quarterback better. So you think that I think they would, they would have more than one win with Darnold. I do. So that that uh, so Darnold and Gallman is a better combination than Eli and Barkley is. You think? Like, I'm not arguing or anything. I'm just. Yeah, I just want to make I mean, sure that's right. Yeah, that's what I would say. Okay. I would rather have Darnold back there right now and have a quarterback who has shown he can really sling the ball. Would Would you rather have? Look at what he's doing with the Jets. Mm-hmm. The Jets were picked to be one of the worst teams in the league, and they're mm-hmm. the biggest surprise. And one of the main reasons is Darnold. Um, they don't really have a lot, you know, offensively. Their their receivers aren't great, you mm-hmm. know. Um, their running back situation isn't the best. And Darnold's making stuff happen, you know. So. so would you have rather had a quarterback instead of a running back or specifically Sam Darnold? If you could have got Baker Mayfield, Josh Rosen, Josh Allen, would you have picked any of them over Darnold? No, I like Darnold the, okay. the most out of all those guys. Mm-hmm. I think Darnold was well, who I thought was the better better of the quarterbacks. Um, and I said, if you can maybe get Darnold, that's what I thought they were going for. Obviously, Darnold or Barkley. Mm-hmm. And it's what way you wanted to go. They felt they felt strongly going with Barkley. And right now, it's not looking great. Um, I'm more afraid of everything kind of boiling over before they get it fixed mm-hmm. with OBJ and, and that crashing and, and things like that. So, I mean, it's going to have to be a turnaround because, I mean, it's so crazy that we thought this team was a, a Super Bowl contender just a few years ago. Mm-hmm. It's, a, it's insane. But they got to get stuff figured out. They need to get a quarterback. Just get a guy in there that that has potential to be your future, and I think that'll change the morale of the team. If you can have some guy that's that's flashy, who's good, who can sling, who's young, who can run, who's mobile, everything that Herbert is, and make plays out of nothing, because that's what they're going to need. They're going to need someone who who can make plays out of nothing. Um, then you have a shot. You know, if they could get, go go ahead and get. Uh, uh, Shea Patterson, mm. you know what I mean? That guy can run. You mm-hmm. get a guy like that who can run and, and make plays on his with his legs. I think that would be key. We've got Jake Duran of CBS Marquette in studio with us. We'll finish this thing off when we come back on ESPN-UP and the ESPN-UP app. Check out the UP's live and local sports talk show, The Sports Pen. Weekday afternoons at 4 on ESPN-UP and on the ESPN-UP app. Welcome back to the Sports Pen on ESPN-UP, the ESPN-UP app. Tanner Hoops joined by Jake Duran of CBS Marquette. Don't forget, pigskin paydays back. Pick the winner of each week's game to win. Play all season long for the $100,000 grand prize only at Ojibwe Casino in Barriga and Marquette. Well, we look at the NBA. A wild night last night. There was plenty to dissect there. Fear the deer. The Bucks are 4-0. They get a 123-108 win over Philadelphia. And how about the job that Giannis has done here in the early going? He has four straight games of 25-plus points and 15-plus rebounds. The last player to do that, Wilt Chamberlain, back in 1965. So things are looking good in the Mike Budenholz area, uh, era, I should say, uh, for Milwaukee. They've got role players who are stepping up around them. Middleton is dropping the three ball well. Bledsoe, even Pat Connaughton, they're getting the most out of these role players. Bucks are looking like the real deal over in the Eastern Conference. 
Yeah, I mean, this has just been years in the making. Obviously, Giannis getting better is, is huge, and you want to see him ascend as a player. I think if he could shoot the ball with consistency, which he's he's shown he's been shooting a lot better, this guy's unstoppable. He's an unstoppable force. No one's going to be able to guard him, um, and he'll be the best, one of the best players in the league. He's he's a freak. He's he's arguably already one of the top five players in the league, so uh, he gets a shot on him. But, yeah, just guys like Middleton shooting. Um, you know, you got like Bledsoe and Div- even Divincenzo, the, mm-hmm. the guy you can come off and shoot some some threes. I think you know that's was their their main issue was shooting the ball, and I think they're showing that they're they're a little bit better this season. Um, they got defenders, they got Brogdon, they got lengthy guys, uh, and um, I just really like where this team's going. Obviously, playing uh, the Seventy Sixers, you know that's a team that's that's supposed to be a, a contender in the East. So anytime you can play a team like that and really you know, contend, I think it's good for them. Um, can they be like a team like Boston? Do they have enough firepower? I don't know. I don't know. I don't think so. But I like where this team's going. It's obviously on the upswing, and they're definitely going to they're, they're gonna contend in the East. Last night, the Lakers get their first win le- with LeBron. His old team couldn't say the same. Cavaliers are 0-4. So, Wait, the Cavs are still a team? Cavs are still a oh, team. Wow. There is still a team without LeBron. There's a head coach there, Ty Lue, for the first oh. time in how long, and uh new head coach over there in Cleveland. Uh, uh, Ty Lue actually has a coach now. Yes. yes See what's going on. It's 0-4. He's earning that paycheck. Yeah. Uh, but when you look at those, I, I found this so interesting. I wanted to put it on Twitter and see what, what the fans thought. Who would win if they were to play if neither had LeBron, last year's Cavs, or this year's Lakers? Who do you think would win? Because that's been weighing on my mind all day and most of last night. That's that's a good question. Isn't that? Man. Yeah. That's a really good question. Um, man, I like the fact that, you know, the Cavs have, would have love and, you know, Tristan, Tristan Thompson. Mm-hmm. They still would have the Corver shooting, JR. Mm, man, that's a tough question. Mm-hmm. That's pretty close. I, I like the younger Lakers, man. Yep. I like the younger Lakers. I would have to go with the Lakers. Seems to be what the fans are thinking, too. It was pretty close for a while, and the fans are starting to pull away in favor of the Lakers. That's kind of where I'm at, too. The more I think about it, the more I think the Lakers have uh, just more skill with the ball. Uh, Lakers... I don't know if they're as talented as the post in in the post as the Cavs this year, uh, but they've got more skilled guys. I think they're a little bit deeper than the Cavs are. I think I'd probably go with the Lakers too. All of that was overshadowed last night, though, by Steph Curry dropping 51 points in three quarters. And, yeah, he didn't even play the fourth quarter. They score 144 points, and they win by 22. I mean, that dude was unreal. 23 points alone in one quarter. And you look at his... Uh, career games where he has had at least 11 three-pointers for his career last night was his sixth everyone else in the NBA combined throughout all of NBA history just seven I mean that's unreal what Steph is doing listen this guy is is insane and I haven't even been watching any Warriors games just because I know I just don't even want to see it Um, but literally it doesn't surprise me this guy's amazing he's done it before and it's just crazy how they have three or four players that can do that. You know what I mean? They mm-hmm. can really take over a game and just be the star um, on any given night. And that's what makes that team so so good and arguably the greatest team ever assembled. Um, I never hate on the Golden State Warriors just because most of their team was built through the draft. It's not like they really just went out and signed a bunch of guys um, other than Kevin Durant. But 
So I have to always respect what they do with signing, you know, drafting Clay Thompson, drafting Steph Curry, and, and guys like that. Um, but I mean, it doesn't surprise me, man. It really doesn't, and it's so sad because I think the Warriors are probably going to win it again, folks. Um, as, as sad as that is, but I'm really hoping Boston can make a series in the finals. Boston's a little concerning to me here in the early going. They're 2-2, two and two, losing at home to Orlando the other night. I mean, it's a little concerning when you look at it. I know we're four games into the year, but how worried should Celtics fans be? I don't think they should be too worried. I'm worried about the fact that, you know, is Kyrie kind of messing up the, what they had? Mm-hmm. I mean, they went on a run with, you know, Rozier and Smart, you know, basically playing that part. Um, you wonder, is Kyrie kind of being ball dominant? Like, what is the issue here? Um, are the wing the wings aren't as in rhythm as, as they've been? You know, Rozier was was a, he could score the ball, but he was able to get guys involved as well. Um, and and you wonder because really, Kyrie's a really good player. You don't want to see him go. If you have Kyrie on your team, your team is going to be better. But you know, they don't play as fluently with Kyrie on the floor. That's just how I see it. I don't know. Maybe it's Kyrie. Uh, for, for whatever reason, they hurt more when Marcus Smart wasn't in the lineup last year than Kyrie was. And I just don't know if he's buying into Brad, Brad Stevens' system. He wants to be the star somewhere. That's why he left Cleveland. But everybody else is buying into that system because they know how smart Brad Stevens is as a basketball coach. So you have Tatum, Rozier, Smart, Brown. They're all buying into his system, and he's bringing the best out of them. Kyrie's still trying to fight it because he wants it to be about him. He wants to be the center stage. And he's just going against the grain right now, which is unfortunate because he has all the talent in the world. He has a, the potential to be a top 10 talent in the NBA. He's just going against the, at least it looks like he's going against the scheme that Brad Stevens wants to put on right now. Yeah, and that, that's exactly, you know, what, what, how I feel as well. Um, I just don't get his, if that's the way he is thinking, why, do you, why are you thinking like that? You are on a team that can win a championship. And obviously, I mean, Kyrie left the, the Cavs. He didn't care. You know, that was a championship team, too, and he just left. Um, you know, I can see where he's coming from, but, I mean, that's such a good situation. Um, you know, you got to just try to buy in. Will he be on the Knicks next year? Is it, there's a good chance. He says he doesn't want to be, but, mm-hmm. you know. Jake, as always, thanks for being here, man. Look forward to talking again next week. Thanks for having me. All right, Jake Duran of CBS Marquette, our guest today. That's it for us here in the Sports Pen. Enjoy the Will Kane Show on ESPN-UP and the ESPN-UP app.